I'll be performing in New York City November 20th. Let's Broadway at the Triad Theater, which is on 72nd Street. The show is at nine o'clock. I'm going to need to take a nap before the show and drink a Red Bull. But if you want to hear me perform, I'm also the guest director, which is really exciting. Let's Broadway is a once a month cabaret. Tati Birnbaum and Ashley Grace Ryan are the directors. They're co-directors. And it's a once monthly cabaret where performers get to showcase their talents, invite the industry, perform. Each month has a theme. This month's theme is God, I'm a Dancer, which is a line from A Chorus Line. Hello, sweetheart. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? You look so amazing for 9.30 a.m. Well, I did my hair and makeup because it's you. And also I have to teach later. Are you, you're in an apartment in New York? I am. So I'm subletting a place right now and and I am renting my place uptown in Inwood out. I'm like a four minute walk to the Gershwin, which is, it's insane how much of a game changer that is. I love that for you. And first of all, welcome to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast, Nikki. All right, let's go. Okay with me, let's go. (laughs) What show did you have to say that in? And then all of us just made fun of you for years. What show is that? And it's still going. Um, I can't (laughs) remember. I'm actually a little offended. Um, Oh, South Pacific. South Pacific, yeah. I remember I was downstage left. I was with, I don't know, there were like two other guys with us there. And yeah, that was good times. And that was Nikki's line. All right, let's go. And I don't know why we made fun of you because like we didn't pick apart the show. We, But I think you were just so adorable when you said the line that we just kept saying it. <laughs> I also think just it, it is a random line in the show. And I remember seeing the revival done at um, Lincoln Center and I like couldn't wait to see how the guy like delivered it. I'm like, how does this? And I actually can't remember. I wish I could. But I'm like, how do you make that work? <laughs> and to, be, and to, to clarify, it's OK with me. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Not just all right, let's go. I clearly I hold that very near and dear to my heart. Also, love you, Nikki. Do you coffee? Do you have coffee? Is this I, like- I drank one cup already and okay. I I had some left over, but that second cup always does me not good. So, so I just was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You really want it like in your head and sometimes it's good going down. And then, yeah, like 10 minutes after the second cup. And I'm trying to stay hydrated. So I'm trying to be mindful of drinking water, having the proper amount of electrolytes. Oh, look, we have a visitor, my little cat. He's coming over here. I want to talk to you about during the pandemic, how you went to Buffalo. I just had my interview with Jimmy. I love Jimmy Moses, aka the stage door medium. Yes. He's brilliant. That interview was awesome. Thank you. I I get to talk to these great people, yourself included. I love sharing with the audience, your experiences, what you've learned. We all help each other. And that's what I love the most about show business and our industry is that the people who aren't performers think that we're all competitive with each other. But the, the fact is, oh. we all love each other. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't say all. <laughs> no, but like, <laughs> you are, it, it's, um, it's true. It's just such a support. It's more of a supportive environment than anything. And, you know, I think also, maybe it's an age thing too, a bit, but like, 
you know, the older you get, the more you realize, the more that you're, you know, cheering other people on, you know, that only serves you better as well. But yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful community to be a part of for sure. It's special. Mm -hmm. We form these bonds, like, you know, one that we formed back in 2006 at Main City Theater, right? That like last us truly like a lifetime. And I'm sure both of us can count many of the same kind of bonds that we have in our lives that so many other people in other work fields um, don't get the opportunity to experience as much as we do. So I think it's really special in that way. It was about a year ago that I was walking. No, I was going downtown and you happened to be getting some food on 8th Avenue and we saw each other. I couldn't believe you were in New York. We saw each other and you ran out and it was just one of those magical New York moments that we get to have especially in Midtown, you end up seeing someone, you know, you end up or many people, you know, but it's just one of those thrilling times. And then I realized that you were not living in Buffalo anymore because during the pandemic, you made a big life change and you went to be with your family. Yes, correct. So I initially was like quarantined when the shutdown first happened in March of 2020. I was out in San Diego for a wellness workshop. And basically it was like an academy. It's called the Czech Institute where I was studying for um, my holistic lifestyle coaching certification. And this had been like an ongoing process. But anyway, I was out on the West Coast. Everything shut down here while I was away. Um, I remember I literally was flying to San Diego on March 12th, which is the day all the Broadway shows went dark. And at the time, we of course thought it was just going to be for two weeks. And then it was a year and a half. But then because my sister at the time lived in Las Vegas when I was in San Diego and I heard everything shut down here. I was like, well, let me just go to my sister's. I ended up staying in Vegas for three months until June of 2020, moved back to my apartment in Inwood that I was talking about before. And I kind of looked around after I got back to New York. And as you know, and we all do, it was a really different place. Everywhere was different in in that time, especially. And um, I'm from Buffalo and I have all my like siblings are there and a lot of family there. And I thought, you know what, let me try and rent my apartment out and move home and be with my family. Like now is a as good of a time as any to try that. And I had been sort of toying with the idea of getting out of New York for even years leading up to that, never really having like a practical plan, but just it was in the back of my head. And so I ended up going to Buffalo in August of 2020, got an amazing apartment that I could rent that I could never afford the likes of in New York. It was like brand new appliances. I had laundry in my unit. Like I was living the the good life in Buffalo After getting the holistic lifestyle certification, I was also a NASM certified personal trainer. I had my yoga certification simultaneously while doing theater and still while dance captaining at Wicked. I was nurturing these other parts of my my passions, nurturing my other passions and in health and wellness. And I ended up having a conversation with um, one of my best friends, Gina in Buffalo, and they were her and her husband were really gracious. They own a lot of property in the Buffalo area retail spaces. And she was just listening. She basically was just we were in her driveway because she has five children. And so at the height of COVID, like we were still doing driveway meetups and, you know, no one was going inside and we were wearing masks. We were on lounge chairs in her driveway in the summer. And um, 
she was like, so what do you want to do? You know, like you're home, like, what are you going to, like, how are you going to make money? Basically. I was like, well, you know, I want to coach. Um, I have all these certifications now. And I had already started coaching in New York a bit. And she was like, oh, if you want to teach ever, she was like, we have a space that you could use, go check it out. And I wasn't quite sure at the beginning, like when she was first talking about it, I'm like, I'm not quite sure what she means. And I went and checked out this space that she was mentioning. And it was so perfect for like a boutique studio. And so all of that's to say, I ended up opening my own fitness and wellness studio in Buffalo during the pandemic, but mainly because I may have done something similar if Gina and I hadn't had this conversation, but because she opened up this opportunity for me, I was able to work out of my own space. And I put a lot of my own effort and money into it. I had to get a floor because I I was teaching um, like physical classes, like um, Mm -hmm. cardio and toning classes. I developed a structure for a yoga flow and um, like lightweight lifting class. And then I was also coaching private clients holistically and physically as well in the space. And um, yeah, I put my like logo up, I had people paint and it was just this really cool opportunity in such a weird time. And so that's how, how that all came about. And I opened it officially. It took a lot to get it going and I didn't open it officially until June 5th of 2021. And it was open for about like three and a half months before I got called back to wicked. Now question for you. Yeah. You got called back. What was the decision that made you come back rather than stay in Buffalo and keep working on the new chapter? I know for a fact it takes a long time to get a business running. Was it just too much of a solitary struggle for you? And I also know that you end up pouring money into things. So was it a chance for you to earn money or Did you miss the stage? Was it a combination of both? Totally a combo. I love that you said solitary struggle. I had never heard that, but that's like, you hit it on the nose. Like that's probably most of why I ended up coming back to New York, but it was totally a multitude of things. But that was one of the biggest ones. Starting a business on your own, as exciting as it can be, is so hard. If for nothing else, it's the mental state, the constant state I felt anyway of waking up sort of in like a state of fear constantly of like, you know, what ball is going to drop today? Because all the buck always stops with you. And, you know, I just always felt like I was overwhelmed with things I had to get done. And then there's a very practical side of that too, where like you have to make money and there's bills to pay. And, and then also just doubting my ability to like teach and actually help people. So it just was the um, solitary struggle part of it. Also, though, I remember them mentioning the Broadway shows were going to open again. I think it was April of 2021. They had projected that like in the fall, this is it, you know, Broadway's coming back. And I just felt this like (gasps) in my heart, like that I that for a while during the pandemic, I didn't have to face because nothing, my life as I knew it in New York wasn't going on. It would have been different if I moved to Buffalo and there wasn't a pandemic and i and i saw right away my friends and colleagues all still living that life that i was living but i didn't see any cuz it it just wasn't happening here so i yeah. was actually like keeping myself really well distracted and then as soon as i heard they were coming back I really felt this pull. And I think a lot of my practice of working on myself and just kind of like listening and being more um, intuitive and knowing what my, my soul is asking for, 
I really honored that. And I was like, okay, but I didn't make any like, you know, quick decisions. I was about to open the studio, which was another interesting thing. Cause I had these sort of like, it was very paradoxical. I was revving up to open up this, this business that I had been working on for months. And then at the same time, feeling this, like this pull in the other direction of like my old life. And it was a really weird place to be in, but I just tried to kind of live in it and kept going with the space. And to more specifically in a roundabout way, answer your question. It was in August of 2021, I had actually intentionally closed the studio for most of the month because it was the end of summer. Uh, Most people were working out outside at those points anyway, and like people were traveling and I had a wedding to go to one of my best friends got married in Hawaii and I was in the wedding party. So I had to already be gone for two weeks. So I'm like, let me close the studio for August and I'll come back in September and have a new schedule and sort of like revamp and you know, it'll be the start of like the new like school year type thing. And in that time, when I came back from Hawaii, I got a call from the stage manager asking my availability. And it was initially just to come out because I had dance captain for years to help teach a new track because they had some new cast members joining for the reopen. And so it was going to be a two week contract to just literally just teach a track. And that was it. And I was like, great, I can do that. I'll just keep the studio closed a couple of weeks more. And then I'll just open in mid-September the studio after I get back from teaching in New York. And then I'll never forget my agent called me the day after that initial offer came through verbally, he was like, so you got the official offer. And he said, check your email. It's um, a little bit different than what we talked about. And I was like, oh, okay. I looked at the contract and it said, we would like Nikki to do a six month rider. And I was like, first of all, no shade, but that's like so wicked to just be like, we need you two weeks. No, just kidding. Can you do a six month rider? And But the thing, Michelle, that I felt when I saw that was the first emotion I felt was like excitement and like, you got to do this. Yeah. That went back to just really listening to what was inside. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. First thing was I called my friend Gina who had, you know, helped me with the space. And she was like, go do it. She, she was so funny. She's like, doesn't it feel nice to be wanted? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, it does. (laughs) Especially after I had been running my own business and like, you know, just kind of on the like solitude struggle for so long. That was really it. It was about listening to my heart and thinking to myself, like, I don't quite honestly where I'm at, I don't have that much longer to like do what I'm doing and love it and be able to do it physically as like a, you know, ensemble dancer on Broadway. It's just, it is. I hear that. Yeah. You know, like it's, um, and so I was like, it's now or never like why I can make anything work. And just because I made this decision, this big decision to go back to Buffalo and open a business, it doesn't mean I can't make this work. And, and I think people will get it, you know, like my clients got it. Um, everyone was so actually very happy for me. So I listened to my heart and I came back to New York and it just felt right. Things just fell into place. I had a friend that had like a place on the Upper West Side for like the first two weeks I came back. She's like, just stay there. I'm at my cabin. Don't worry. And then I had this space that I'm in now. My good friend Lauren was like, you can sublet our room. And, you know, it just felt like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be again for now. Yeah. Yeah. And you have family in Buffalo, so that's going to be home to you. But We, as performers, there is this drive. When I was performing on stage as a dancer, there was nothing that would have stopped me, you know, and I get it. It's like a flame that burns inside of you. When I was in high school, my guidance counselor tried to talk me out of becoming a dancer. And I was like, you cannot talk me out of this because this is, this is, Yes, it's my identity, which we'll talk about in another, like in a few seconds about this. 
but when it's when the flame burns it burns you know an artist has to do their art you just have to there's no other question about it which you know something that i one of the reasons i have the podcast now is because i am a little bit older and i don't perform on stage as a dancer anymore i still sing and still act and i audition for tv and stuff but being psychologically sound because as a dancer for so long, our identity is wrapped up in this, yes. right? Yes. So it's like that line in Chorus Line, what do you do when you can't dance anymore? And you, st I still am a dancer. I still can, you know, kick my face, but it's in different avenues now. I love my teaching career. I love my coaching career. But how do you feel... Like, for example, if your contract for Wicked is over and they don't renew and you choose to stop performing, how does your identity change with that? Well, first of all, I wish I had some Baileys now in this coffee. Now that we're going down this road. I'm no. not future projecting because you still have a long career ahead of you, but oh, you know no, what I'm no. saying. Oh, absolutely. And and it's totally real. I, I said that because just even talking about the identity of being a dancer and, and that line from a chorus line, like as cliche as it is now, it, it's just it it at this age for me, it hits home so much because it's impending. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think about it so much, a lot more than I did back when I was saying funny lines in South Pacific. I got a taste of it when I was in Buffalo because I didn't know if I was going to come back. And that was really confusing and tough too, because, you know, quite honestly, I thought I was really ready to jump off and, and nurture this other passion more in the health and wellness side of things. And I wasn't, but like, I wanted to believe I was because I was putting all this work into starting something there. And I think that's just life, right? Like we make some decisions sometimes and I'm a, I'm a doer. So like, it's hard for me to sit still, which is why in the pandemic, I, I wanted to do something and but it did feel a little bit like, oh, I don't want to go too deep into this because I still might want to be able to do that. And um, lucky, luckily I was able to. But um, I'm ready to experience my dancer and not to sound dramatic, but I've heard other people say this and it is dramatic. But my dancer death, as it were, that the way that I know it as a dancer, and I'm probably going to need to call you when that happens and I'm going through it <laughs> because... It's just been a part of my life for so long for, from the, before I even knew how to form thoughts, I was dancing and I, like you, there was no other road. There was nothing else I was going to do as a kid in a small town outside of Buffalo where there really weren't, there were maybe five boys in the whole city that I knew danced. I didn't care. I mean, there was just no question. So then, yeah, how do you go from that to having to like do something else for the next half of your life or however long? I, and I, for me, I'm, I feel really lucky that I still do have that fitness passion and there's some other things possibly in the works in that, in that realm. But I know it's going to be a struggle. Like I, yeah, I don't know if I'm answering the question even because I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with it. I just know that it's, it, it's going to happen. And it's, it is an identity. I absolutely have identified as a dancer for so long and not even just the way I identify with myself. It's how other people see me, right? Like I'm sure you've experienced, you know, there's that, like, this is another thing I kind of missed, but it's so ego driven when the pandemic happened and I was doing the fitness thing is as soon as I would say I was in Wicked, that's when people's faces lit up. That's when people, you know, got what I do. And like, it, 
there was it fed my ego because they just thought it was so cool. And like you don't you don't always get that when you're teaching fitness or you know like coaching people. Like you help people in a different way, but there's this level of like notoriety and like you know people can name it what you do and they think it's just so incredible. And it is in so many ways, but, uh, so I missed that. Like my ego missed that. And I'm I'm just being totally like honest, like I I probably am going to have to deal with that transition as well. You know? Well, you know, we are so much more than the shows that we have been in. And as you know, I had a child and I had my daughter who, by the way, now goes by the name of Ryan. I think I told you that. Um, Yeah. So I had my child be like, I was in my early thirties and I was really at the height. I had booked a national tour of best little whorehouse in Texas. And I found out I was pregnant and (laughs) um, the late Tommy Walsh was like, well, can you still do it? And I was like, Tommy definitely changed my career path. I still danced until Ryan went into kindergarten. And then I made the choice to go into teaching just because of schedule I, I honestly wanted to be there for Ryan's bedtime and, and I didn't want to be in a show till 11 o'clock at night. And also I was like, you know, I was just ready to change things a little bit, but growing up, having a child grow up and she got dragged around and we did a podcast episode uh, because she's a very talented filmmaker and she chose not to go into the business because she saw how passion driven it is. And she told me, she said, I like filmmaking, but I didn't have the the burning passion that you have to have to succeed as an artist. I saw you, I saw your friends and I saw how much you loved it and how much you were willing to give up. And she said, I want a job. I want a schedule. I want a check. I want a house and I am not willing to give it all up. For my art. And I was like, okay, well, good. It's good that you see this. She's very wise. Like, you know, very, even, you know, you knew her when she was a little kid and very, yeah. just an old soul, very wise about so many things. Yes. But right. having her wisdom and in many ways, she raised me. I mean, growing, raising this old soul and just hearing these beautiful things that she would say all the time. I just, it, it put things more in perspective for me that it's like not the only thing in the world. And I really prioritize my family over the, my art, which you know, I don't think I'm selfish by being an artist. The character George in Sunday in the Park with George, you know, he just ignores everybody else and he paints. And I can go down that route too. I can get so into what I'm creating that everybody else disappears, but I don't want that. I want my family around me. You know, my parents are getting older and I'm really cherishing every conversation and every hug. Mm. And even this with us, like we made this happen today. And I'm so grateful because I love you, Nikki Vendetti. I love you so much. I love you, Michelle. I So much. And I just, I want to say a couple of things really quick. You were, from what I saw, did an incredible job with Ryan and raising her And, but yet still just being so passionate and focused on your career as well. And you let her in, I think in the, 
in the best way, you know, like you, she was like a part of, of whatever you were doing, at least from the time that we worked together. And even the poor thing probably got scarred from watching us play celebrity. Um, and and <laughs> no, I she like, loved it. <laughs> that may have been the, the, the clencher though. She was like, I'm never doing, I'm not working with these crazy people. I think you just did a fabulous job. And I remember you talking about your parents and how well you yoked both of the, um, your lives together. And I remember being so impressed and just fascinated by you and, and your parenting and, and simultaneously being able to have a career and always wanting to create. You have always been someone, even not like your Christmas album. And I see from, you know, afar, mostly all the things that you continue to do. And I mean it when I say you're, you're an inspiration to me. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you. You know, at this part of my life, Ryan is now a senior in college and going to graduate and just living the best life and having so much fun. She loves going to concerts and she's just like, I have to send you a picture of her white hair. She made her hair white and oh boy, she, she looks like a rock star. Like I'm like, wow, just wow. I now have time because raising a child is very time consuming, which is in the best way. But now I'm like, Okay, well, you got all this time, girl. What are you going to do with your time? <laughs> yeah, so is that's like, um, it's got to be insane to go it's, from having to be through every step with them and then letting them go. And then you're like, well, that yeah. was 18 years or however long. <laughs> After her high school graduation, she went to parties with friends and I went to the grocery store. And I remember walking down the aisles and I was so sad because I knew a chapter had just closed. and yeah. I tried to take out a dozen eggs, but the way they were stacked in the shelf, um, a box of eggs, a carton fell to the ground. And, you know, then they were like, clean up an aisle eight. And this woman, this random woman came up to me, whispered in my ear, today is not your day. <gasps> and I was like, thank you for, thank you for whispering that in my ear. Like I really needed you to say that. Thanks. <laughs> Just the metaphor of it all, like yeah, yeah, the eggs, the your eggs. life in that moment was the eggs crashing and burning <laughs> on the floor. You were running yolks. You were raw. You were raw eggs, just heart open. But that's you know. But th- don't you feel like those moments in life, like I don't know, I kind of get off on being emotionally uncomfortable sometimes because I know it's just going to make me grow and 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 a and appreciate other things or appreciate the moments where I do feel content and settled, you know? Yeah. One thing I've been doing this summer and fall is really just feeling it like the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. I I don't know how much time I have left on earth. And part, part of my work is, you know, I'm terrified to die. Although talking to Jimmy, your friend has made me feel a little bit better because clearly, you know, we, he, he hears things from people. Yeah. There's still something, some sort of frequency. And one of my goals is to leave a legacy of work, to leave a body of work, including this podcast, you know, like maybe my grandchild or maybe my grandniece or nephew will listen to it one day and be like, oh, person was fun. And this person loved to wear lashes and heels and be fat, funny and have the good times. And I just don't want to stop existing. (laughs) I know. And but you're not you won't you won't. And um, but I can I, I get that. 
it is kind of, yeah. And some days it's harder for me to accept than others that like the whole not existing thing. Yeah. Um, And I think um, (laughs) when I was younger, the early wanting to be famous thing, I think that was what, what it was wanting to be seen. And like you said, when, when you tell people you're in wicked, the name recognition of the show is so one quick question I wanted to ask you, does the original creative team, Wayne Salento, does he have anything to do with the show anymore? And he'll come in every now and again, every now and again, it's usually I would say around like once a year, honestly, between the tour and and the Broadway company, um, he'll come in and his energy is always so great because he's still got that like old school energy. You know, I mean, he was an original, he won a freaking Tony award for a chorus line. Like he's, he's the real deal. And his, he just kind of is like, incorrect in all the right ways so he does come in like once a year and corinne his his uh not associate but she's the dance supervisor and she's in a lot more um and she's really the one that holds most of the auditions these days and that's been that way for a while so she comes in a bunch and then joe mantello the director will come in again about once a year lisa that's his assistant Laguio. She's in more. So they are. And that's one of the things I have to say that I really respect about the team with Wicked is that they haven't let it just be. They haven't let it just sit as much as some people would probably prefer that and not have to have the rehearsals and not have to deal with the little minute changes that get, you know, that happen. Because a lot of times things will change, then they go back. And as a dance captain, I was really front and center to experience all that. But I understood it as, well, it's a living thing it's a living and breathing piece of art that shows were not created to run 18 plus years on broadway but here they are you know the wickeds the lion king the phantom all those andrew lloyd Webber big shows like they 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 were created to to be done but not for the people didn't think they were going to run this long so now we're in a space of like you can't just let it be stagnant so the, the the team does make little changes here and there that i think keep it alive and um if i do say so myself i think wicked is in such good shape and looks so good for as long as she's been around they keep it a living and breathing thing like i said so yeah well i'll be teaching on fridays this fall And I would love to come see it. So I finished teaching at six. So I would love to come on a Friday night to see you. So I'll let you know when I'm coming. And I'd love to just get a, you know, get a, I've never seen it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, because Ryan was born right when it opened and her dad worked on the company. He, I don't think he was ever like in it as a sound person, but I know he worked on it. I tried many times to go see it, but it was always sold out. And then I just like missed opportunity after missed opportunity. So I've seen it on the Thanksgiving Day Parade and things like that. But I need yeah. to come yeah. now that I know that you're in it, you know, now that I know that we'll you're doing. That. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Any words of advice you want to give a young performer just starting out? Something you wish someone had told you? Something I wish someone had told me about performing. Mm. Okay, well, in in the context of actually being being a performer, having a job and all of that is that there will be days where it will feel like work, realistically, and those are the days that you have to sit back and appreciate what you have and remember, just take pause and remember 
that person you were when you were trying to get that job and how excited you were when you got that call. And if it takes going out to the front of the house and seeing the people enter the theater, we're really lucky at Wicked, our stage door, we can see all the people going into the lobby. And that really puts things into perspective on a daily basis for me. It, it, it truly does. And even if it's not a, a Broadway, it doesn't matter what the stage door is, you're going to see people walking into your theater and remember it from that perspective, because I don't know, maybe it's like Capricorn sign. I'm a realist, but it will be work some days. And it doesn't mean it's going to stay there and it's going to flatline, but there are going to be certain days where it's not going to be the most exciting thing you've ever done in your life. And that's just when you have to, like I said, take pause, go look at the people entering in the audience. Just remember you trying to get that job and, um, and stick with it and just know that God. And I learned this again, being in Buffalo, that there are so many people literally dying to do what you're doing when you get to do it. So for sure. I love you so much. Thank you. The showgirl tip of the day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, showgirl tip of day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Show, show.